Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth uh, music review uh, podcast with myself, Paul uh, Muadib, and my good friend Joe Fremming. Joe, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all, I'm doing pretty good, Paul. I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to hear that you're fantastic. And speaking of fantastic, we listened to Kate Bush's The Central World for this particular episode, didn't we, Joe? Yes, uh, and I'm happy we did. I love Kate Bush, so. You know Which what? You didn't know. <laughs> I, I did not know that you love Kate Bush, but I, truth be told, I love Kate Bush. So I'm I'm happy we, we did this. So um you know i like to bring up just a little bit about the album in itself which i think is really really crazy this entire album is um really based around the novel from ulysses the title track accordingly but the novel ulysses by james joyce and um there's a soliloquy in there and um she asked if she could do it and they said no but then after the album came out (laughs) They're like, uh, you can. So then she down the road, she did. She re-recorded it, utilizing the the soliloquy that she wanted to do, um, just not for just not on this particular album. Oh wow! Uh, a quick, have you ever read Ulysses? I I am not cultured enough to read Ulysses, sir. Yeah, I'm. I uh, English minor in college, and uh, James Joyce. I it gets a little over my head. I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, don't get me wrong. I've tr- I've tried, I've tried to do it, and I, I struggle with this with like classic literary um, uh, um, books and novels. Is I'm too much of a modern person to be able to go back and like, I don't know. I struggle with with the classics. That's that's on me. I think it's just the verbiage and how things are phrased. It's it's so kind of foreign to our our vernacular these days. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's it makes for a hard read. Like I've it, read some classical books, uh, it, it's just it's it's rough for just. It's not what I'm used to. I'm just gonna stick to Mad Magazine. <laughs> what me worry? Um, so no, I, I mean, and that's I think you're right. Real quick on that, when we're going down that that kind of um, rabbit hole, um, I find myself when I'm reading those types of things, I'm actually like googling. What is the meaning of like what was the slang term for this or what does this mean? Because there's a lot of words too that are are dead uh, to our modern ears. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, sometimes I just, thought, just sometimes it's just plain fucking boring. <laughs> oh God, Moby Dick, anyone? <laughs> oh. Sorry, that's a boring book. It's you know what makes for a good movie makes for a boring ass book. Um. But uh, yeah, that's that's my take on it. So yeah, Joe, have you heard this? I mean, you're a fan of Kate Bush. Are you? Were you familiar with this album? I knew of it. I didn't. Uh, I like Kate Bush. I wouldn't say I'm a super big fan. Like she has albums I really enjoy. Uh, Never forever is probably my favorite album mm. of hers. Mm-hmm. And Hounds of Love is really good. I mean, it's just Hounds of Love is amazing. Yeah. It. So I really enjoy her work. It's. Just, she has such a distinct voice, though, that I can't listen to her all the time. It's like kind of like with Sparks, with that the way the vocals are, it, it I can only handle just so much. You know, I'm glad you said that because I I I want to say that one of the things I struggled with this album 
was the fact that it was Kate Bush nonstop for that length of time, right? And it's only a forty-eight minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not a long album. It's it's not a long album. That said, there's a lot of good on it. But I when I, I and I liked a lot of the songs to put them on a playlist. And I realized that listening to a song and then like having a couple songs and then coming back to Kate Bush was really, really like the way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it gets the you know maybe it's kind of like when you watch. A David Lynch movie, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. To sit, you know, like you have to be in a specific mood. Yes, yes. I, and but she, you know, we can also talk. I do like her like appearance on Soul by Peter Gabriel. Oh God, so good. So like when so she comes in, like she helps really break that, you know, because that's total Peter album, and that her duet, I think, with Mercy Street, is it or something like? Yeah, uh, I think it's Mercy Street. Yeah, it kind of and, 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 and I agree. I grieve. No, no, yeah, no, not I grieve. It's um, oh shit. Um, oh god, I know the song. Damn it. I, I, now I'm gonna have to. Oh god, damn it. Now I gotta edit this. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, fans want to hear you googling. <laughs> I'm sure they want to hear me, Google. There was a don't give up. Don't that was don't it. give don't, up. Yeah, that's it. Don't give up. Yeah, and like great so song. When I was so when I was listening to this album, the music really reminds me a lot of Gabriel's music as well, like this world beat stuff in it, which I really enjoyed too. Yes, uh, I was going to bring that up as well. I heard a lot of that, and you know what? I hate to say it, but there was some Gilmer in there as well. Yeah, uh, with, with, with some of the. Uh, um, some of the uh, the guitar work was very Gilmer esque. I think that's uh, he was one of the people who helped discover her. Is that am I wrong? I remember no. somebody telling me that. I mean, I've ha- I had a bootleg of her playing "Let It Be" with Gilmer Gilmer on guitar. Gilmer, yeah, no, he her. he helped her do the demo, um, helped her make her demo tape, and that's how she got signed to um em uh, emi records yeah so gilmer was like instrumental to her getting her career so yeah i I wouldn't say he necessarily discovered her she's been writing songs since she was 11 but without the gilmer you wouldn't have kate bush so i guess that's one thing he did good that son of a bitch that son of a bitch. You know, how, how does it happen? One of our favorite bands. And we sit here and just try. My favorite <laughs> guitarist, too. Like, I know the guitar is better than him. He's, like, hands down my favorite. Just, like, how he phrases his, so, his guitar work. It just blows my mind. But, man, momentary laughs a reason. It's just. <laughs> There's no forgiveness. There's no, no forgiveness. <laughs> no, and I will not, not do the, re, the, the reissue for this fucking podcast it's not gonna happen no we already listened thank you it's it's solely slightly different i would say uh i mean it's more some more live instrumental parts but it's still you can you can only you know put so much uh lipstick on a pig you know <laughs> that's true just ask the simpsons um so yeah no i, I think you know you getting back to her beginnings yeah gilmer helped her when she was 16 years old to make a professional demo tape 
um, and actually helped record and 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 did some work on that demo tape for her, which is really interesting because she didn't really do a whole lot with him. She ended up doing a lot of stuff with Peter Gabriel, which is you know I, I I that I don't understand how that happened, and I tried looking into it, and I don't see a whole lot like there's not a lot of information on there about how she got with uh with um peter gabriel yeah i'd imagine someday if she writes a memoir which i would read the the shit out of me too uh because she's an interesting person like she kind of going on like she just she kind of vanished like a couple decades and then she came back to do like a couple live shows and she vanished again Yep, yep. She yeah, from nineteen ninety four to two thousand six, she pretty much was like, Hey, um, I'm out. She had kids, um, she just wanted to kind of do her own thing. Um and then she came back and you know, started doing a few things. She was writing songs for like the Golden Compass and movies, and she came back and then she just kind of disappeared again. Um, so I don't know. It's uh it's interesting. Oh, so, yeah. I, I would love like to read know more about her, but I mean, she seems like a pretty private person, so I doubt we'll get her memoir, but, uh, probably I, I would, I would agree with you. We probably won't, but my God, I would read it or someone needs to write it for, for us. Yeah, um, the, biography. the biography. Yeah. So this is her sixth studio album. Joe, let's, you know, when you let's, let me get your impressions of the album as a whole. Um, tracks you like, tracks you didn't like. What was it? Well, there's not uh, really a whole lot I didn't like. Uh, maybe some of the production styles feel a little dated. That's just mm-hmm. kind of coming out of the era. I mean, you get that with uh, So by Peter Gabriel and No Jacket Required by Phil Collins. I mean, just in that 80s, there was just a lot of that production style that kind of dates it. But it really, but that's really nitpicking from me. I guess mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Like I really like Rocket's Tale and this woman's work. Uh, the title track I really love. The it, I it's a very interesting album. It's very dense, uh, and uh, there's no like big choruses or really anything. Like there's not like this is an album that doesn't have a single. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is fine. I don't think every album needs a song that just pops and stands out this works as a thread all the way through i didn't like the spoken word part in the fog (laughs) yeah that was a bit off off off-putting wasn't it it it, it, it's more so spoken word with music just i think we've talked about this before but when i worked in my teen you know late in my early 20s i worked at this place and my boss really loved Van Morrison. Okay. And uh, Van's fine. Well, he's gone crazy now, but his earlier. Hands, he's gone. He's, yeah, he's gone full crazy. He's, he's, you know, the man with the golden microphone. Like, you know, he's, he's insufferable. But my boss would play the spoken word poetry album by him. Oh, boy. And it's, it was like a triple album. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like, oh, my. You know, like I, it ga- gives you gives me the thousand yard stare. Like I'm Joker in Full Metal Jacket. Whenever <laughs> <laughs> his voice pops up to this day, just because I'm so traumatized by that. Oh God! 
Yeah, spoken word. Um, I struggle with it. There is one artist that I will do spoken word on, but and we will review something of him down the road. But uh, uh, well, so I'm not going to say who that is. Ted Nugent. Uh, <laughs> yes, and his, and his work with the damn Yankees. Um, yeah, you know, I, there is a single on here, and it is this woman's work, right? Like that was, and to be fair with that one. It wasn't even written for this album. Um, it was actually for uh, the the movie um, uh, She's Having a Baby. And it blew up. And so she just happened to put it at the end of this album. Um, so, uh, you know, technically, is there is there a single? Yeah, there is, but there really isn't. I mean, there were some videos made for some of them. You know, Central World, Love and Anger. Um, you know, uh, for me, I... Yeah, let's just she for people like who may not know about Kate Bush, she's more of an artist than a pop star. So there's she, not a lot of uh, to to piggyback on that. There's not a lot of course courses and like yeah. the the music is not set up like verse, you know, pre-chorus, verse, chorus. It's it's completely different. And that's one of the reasons I really love her. <laughs> like I just I just love it. Uh, I love her voice. Again, like it, it. I have to be in a certain mood, but it's if you're like looking for like an artist, artist, uh, Kate Bush is high among them for mu- music. I brought this. I bring this up because Prince did it in back in the eighties, and Kate Bush is the only other artist I know who did it. The song "Deeper Understanding" is all about computers and. Um, the relationship with the computer, having a relationship through um, computers in the 80s. Prince did it with um, Computer Blue, and I was just, I'm always floored by the vision that they had of what computers were going to do and what they could be in 1989. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, basically, they, you know, porn Webcam. I don't. Know. Yeah. No. No. You're. No. You're, yeah. But yeah. Comp- yeah. It's, it's. Whenever there's like a new, uh, wait, a new medium out there, there's gonna be somebody's like, how can I jerk off to this? Uh, it's just right. how it is. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. You're. No. You're exactly right. I mean, it's. It's everything comes down to. I mean, now you know they always say that the three F's, right? Um, and I, but still, I'm just amazed, like, you know, like the lyrics when she talks about, like, you know, the voice module is completely needed, um, you know, press execute, just the fact that she was able to take something uh, that was at the time, a new medium and write a song about it and have that song still be relevant today is crazy. Prince did some of it, but in a different way like this was more like getting into like the addictions of the, of computers and being dependent on technology um which you don't really get except from sci-fi art from sci-fi writers yeah well or the unabomber <laughs> I mean, his manifesto was pretty much all about that that's true that's true so you so, know it's kate bush and theodore kaczynski there you go i want uh, is she going to bring him in, much like the Beach, Beach Boys brought in Charles Manson? I don't know. You should find out. 
Um, Jesus Christ. Um, so what were your standout tracks? Do you have particular standout well, tracks? The, the, the title track, uh, you know, this woman's work. I like Rocket's Tale. That it's one. so interesting. Yeah, it's it. This album's great because it, it feels like a journey, and I really mm-hmm. like albums like that. And this is a good album to listen on headphones. It's a, one of those headphone albums. Mm-hmm. A lot going on in the music, so yeah, those those are the ones that stood out. It sometimes kind of feels like since it kind of blends into like one another. There's yeah. parts where I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh, doesn't do much for me, but. Um, I don't hate it. It just it didn't strike me in any way. And again, I think that kind of comes when there's no choruses or hooks or anything like that. It's just that's just how an album like that is. Yeah. No. And it's and it's you know it, it's perfect for that. For me, I like the title track "Central World," "Love and Anger," "Reaching Out," "Never Be Mine." Uh, there was deeper understanding. "Rocket's Tale." This was. I mean, from you know, I, when I when I listened to it, like completely through by itself it's a journey it's ta- i don't want to say taxing but it's you've got to be in the mood and if you're not in the mood it's not going to work yeah kind of like uh lamb lies down on broadway when we were talking about that yeah you gotta be in a mood for it yeah it, you get there's so much going on and it's so dense yeah and and that's what this is there's a lot to unpack here lyrically um I mean, again, it's based on fucking Ulysses, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that uh, short novella. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, With that, the Hemingway-esque short sentences that don't run on. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. <laughs> so, so you know, but when I put these songs, uh, I, I, I put them on a playlist. Because, again, pretty much every song on here is pretty good. Um, and I put them on my playlist and I shuffled it up. And again, you know, getting one here, getting getting these tracks sprinkled in to other parts was far more enjoyable and actually made me really appreciate the album even more because I listened to it again today. Beforehand, I was actually looking forward to some of the songs because I've gotten used to them through my playlist, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So oh, I, and I, just, I just noticed... <laughs> There's a reason why there's things that sound like Gilmer on this because he fucking plays on two songs. Yeah, I was gonna wait for you to pick that out, um, but yes, in, he is on Rocket's Tail. Rocket's Tail, though, you know, it sounds that sounds like a bargain, bargain basement Gilmer to me. Like I looked it up and I realized it was him, but when I didn't, you know, I was like, oh man, that's someone trying to be Gilmer and they're not doing a good job. <laughs> well, this is late '80s Gilmer. Uh, he was a spent uh, reference momentary lacks of reason. He was a spent force creatively, Joe. <laughs> I cannot sanction his buffoonery. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, it was like because it's to me like when I was listening to it, uh, I I really like again with Rocket's Tail. I liked that song, but the guitar work. I was like, I really said I looked, I said to myself out loud, I'm like, that's someone trying to be Gilmer. And they're not doing it quite right. And I was going to bring that up. And then you're right. Gilmer is on it. He's on Love and Anger. And he's on Rocket's Tale. The the big thing you brought up, the big negative to this album, is the production style. Um, it 
it is dated and that's unfortunate um i, I and it's one of those things where i don't even think a remaster could fix it um but again as you said this is an artist artist so if you are really looking for artistic music like you can't go wrong with this album it's a damn near perfect art art album yeah almost any all of our uh, albums kind of fall into that it's just yeah the production it just kind of falls th- that 80s thing where you know at times it's just it it's so full of like both like drum machine and the world music vibe that it just it, it you know it, it just reeks of 80s but yeah no 100 percent. so joe i guess we come to this part now i mean you know not a whole lot to say would you recommend the central world by kate bush yeah, I would recommend just about any album by Kate Bush. Uh, she is uh, really awesome. She's really great. Uh, yeah, I I don't I've never had a bad word to say about Kate Bush, and which is weird because I have a lot of bad words to say about just about every band on this planet. But yeah, you do. Yeah, but <laughs> not her. I love her. I love it. I mean, I don't listen to it all the time, but I really enjoy her 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 music when i do listen to it so yeah i have to say the same thing i have to completely recommend this album and again same thing anything with kate bush i mean understand what you're getting into with it it is artsy um and you gotta be in the mood for it but when you are it is damn near the best thing you can listen to i mean there's a reason why placebo covered her and you know and other artists have covered her over the years different works of hers it's just it's she's solid she's fucking solid yeah i you know i wish she would be doing more but you know it, you know that's what she chose to do i mean she's just so i'm happy with what we got from her <laughs> yeah no i'm happy with what we got from her and you know I, I i kind of am glad that we didn't just because i've seen artists come back and it's you know usually usually it's not what we want right you know, she kind of followed the old show business adage, leave them wanting more, which is yes. a really good way of like bowing out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could have definitely done a lot more with her in the, in the, I would love to have heard, you know, 90s and 2000s Kate Bush. Um, we did get it a little, but not, not a lot. And that's, you know, a shame. But at the same time, it's, a, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that, that, that we got quality over quantity. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, So it's really good. So, Joe, we're caught up. We, uh, If you're listening <laughs> to this right now, we are caught the fuck up. So, yeah, people might have thought we were slacking for months on end. No, we were diligently recording <laughs> every week. <laughs> we were. <laughs> you a few just, breaks here and there. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we didn't. I got them all out. And um, so they're all out on SoundCloud, on, this, um, on YouTube. Um and we're gonna slowly drip them onto the to the to the Joe Down, so you're not just lambasted with all of it at once on the Joe Down. Um, so, uh, I was speaking of the Joe Down, I think I saw what your latest one was, but why don't you tell the audience what you did? <laughs> we did one of the most perfect Clint Eastwood movies, uh, every which way but loose. Nothing better than a man and his monkey, in my opinion. Everybody's got something to hide, except for me and my monkey. <laughs> yeah, no, Brown didn't like it. I thought it was fun. For I mean, it's just goofy. It's a 70s fun. Movie, but, it's but, a fun movie. Brown didn't like it. Yeah, he didn't like it. 
Oh, wow. I was kind of surprised, but, you know, I've probably surprised him by not liking some movies he's picked, so. Well, I'm going to, we're going to have to dig into that, uh, listeners, uh, for sure. We're going to be doing that sequel, you know that for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you are. Now, it was Any Which Way But Loose, and then what was the sequel called? It was Every Which Way But Loose was the first one. uh, Uh, What was it? Um, Any Which Way You Want, or what the hell was it? uh, Some bitch. It's like, it's it's weird because the sequel is... Any Which Way You Can. Yeah. Any Which Way You Can. (laughs) The verbiage sounds exactly the same, so... But slightly yeah. different, so it, it's easy to confuse those two. Yeah, no, um, it very, and because I, 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 I remember watching them as a kid and not knowing which one was the first or which one was the second one. It doesn't. Uh, no, <laughs> two no, of the highest, you, two of Clint Eastwood's highest-grossing movies, too. Yeah, right. I, yeah, you're mentioning that, and I, you know, I, the fact that it was a two-hour-long comedy, that at least the sequel is a two-hour-long comedy, action comedy, was not common back in the day. Um, especially with the animals <laughs> <laughs> and the man with no name <laughs> and the man with no name. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys have? It's Halloween you- month. Ooh. Also this week, uh, we'll be reviewing the 1979 version of when a stranger calls. After that, we're doing the original Exorcist, which I think Brown is not happy with because I told him that was pretty much the only horror movie that freaked me out. Uh, The Frighteners after that, I believe that's a Hobbit guy movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) ending it with our good buddy Nicolas Cage with Willy's Wonderland. Oh, Willy's Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) Nick Cage and animatronic Chuck E. Cheese ripoff monsters. Yeah, yes, it's uh, it's basically Five Nights at Freddy's the movie, um, which is it's uh, well, I, I I enjoyed it, but I enjoy B movies. I uh, I love B movies, so yeah. So if you haven't seen it, I think you're I think you're gonna like it. <laughs> I hope it's better than when we watched that Bad Lieutenant movie. But yeah, well, that was. <laughs> I couldn't even bring myself to watch it yet. I will watch it at some point because I, I'm going to have to see it because it's a Nick Cage craziness, yeah. but I just haven't brought myself to it yet because I just haven't found the right time where I hate myself enough. Oh God, uh, it, it was bad. and I, I think I had the bag because the original Bad Lieutenant is such this iconic, uh, gritty movie from the early 90s that I think... Not a lot of people I've seen, but they should because it's Harvey Keitel is phenomenal in it. And yeah. then you got the gritted realism of Har- Harvey Keitel, and now you got the wackiness of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. It was going to be a fail, but yeah. you know, at least at least Nick Cage tends to fail upward. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> the man won an Academy Award. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and it's going back to The Exorcist, you know, The Exorcist didn't freak me out, but you know what, you know what did was The Exorcist 3, actually. Oh, um, that's really good. That's so good. Um, Brad Dorff is amazing in that. 
Um, and it's way better because I don't. I think a lot of people didn't watch it because Exorcist Two is this weird ass, horrible movie. Um, the Exorcist Three though is like the true sequel. Yeah, um, and I don't think mind. people watched it because that on top of the second one being pretty bad, but the third one doesn't have a whole lot to do with the original besides having the the priest character. Mm-hmm. But it was you know I I didn't know until I because I. I love Joe Bob's last drive-in, so I watched it. He did, yeah. he did that. And so you get the background information. And so the writer of the book, The Exorcist, was unhappy with how the first film came out, which is weird because it's a cinematic masterpiece. Right. So he decided he's going to direct the third one. <laughs> it's, just, it's good. It's just, it's different. It's very it's, different. It's very different. I'll be honest with you. That one freaked me out more than more than the original Exorcist did. Yeah. That one, that one is creepy. The original one I saw for the first time was like eighteen or nineteen, and I was like, "Oh wow, that was that was a head trip." But it is, it is, it is. But uh, you know, I, I think the reason why is um, it it didn't freak me out so much was because I, I just I don't believe in possession and that type of thing, so I have a hard time with movies that you know focus on it. And yet here I am, I'm watching Conjuring and all these and Ouija's yeah. and all these other fucking movies um, because I, I love horror. Yeah, and I don't buy into that shit either. But I, I, I like the like the more fuck with your mind kind of horror movie. Then mm-hmm. I love slasher movies. Don't get me wrong, but I don't find them scary. I, no, they're just entertainment to me. Like something mm-hmm. like The Exorcist or uh, Mother. Oh God! A few years, which was just a panic attack. The movie. Yeah, Those it really are the is horror movies. I really get into. Uh, yeah. And uh, ironically, I, it's also one of the reasons I love Halloween three. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, kind of a movie. Halloween th- Halloween three was was complete. I mean, it's it's so harsh and dark. I mean, yeah. and but everybody was mad because Michael Myers wasn't in it, and I, I think that was just like just a. It's too bad people didn't latch onto that. I'm glad it's found a, a new life now. Like more people, I think, like Halloween three than you know. Than when it originally came out, it's found, would, a new, it's found a new audience that really appreciate what they were trying to do with that. I would agree with you on that. Um, I think you know again, uh, it used to be the bastard child. I remember as a kid, it was the bastard child movie, and it was the one that was always on, um, like TNT, TBS, that type of thing, because they could easily get the money for it. Um, and I, you know, it. I fell in that thing where like, oh, Halloween, you know, and it wasn't Mike Myers. And then going back and watching again, it, yeah, it, it, it deserves more praise than what it got in the, and, and, um, where it sits, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joe, what are we doing next week? Paul? <laughs> I'm going to put this in your hands. This, this is going to be a game of chance. Uh, and I'm going to bring this out every now and then. I have my wheel of bullshit. Oh, shit. Okay. We've had a good run of good albums. Yes. But I think yes, we, we, need a, we need a real stinker. So I've been doing research and all that. And I have, I'm going to keep it at a list of 12. You get to pick between number one and 12. Each time I bring this out, ooh, okay, it's gonna fall on a bad album. All right, no, gonna... 
<laughs> so our fate is in your hands. We're going to go with seven. Oh. Number seven. The Clash. Cut the crap. The album, <laughs> the last album they made and the one they made after firing the, their, their melodic songwriter, Mick Jones. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going to apologize now for picking seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're doomed no matter what you picked. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. Oh, boy. I've avoided that album like the plague. I've not heard it. Oh, um, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even hide it. Like, oh, it's a shit show. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's a, it's a terrible album from a really good band. Oh, yeah, because considering their that their their classic um was, was phenomenal, that was a f- steep fall from grace for them. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just good. So that's a glimpse of what the wheel of bullshit has in store for you, Paul. Uh, well, that's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. All right. Let me just, let me make sure that my, that my thing has it. Ah, boy. (laughs) Oh boy. It does. It pulls right up. God damn it. (laughs) It's available, Paul. All of these are available. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I got it queued up, so uh, it's only 38 minutes. I can survive that. I can live that. Yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the sarcasm there. Like, yeah, you have no idea what you're in for, asshole. Yeah. I, I showed Brown a glimpse of this list, and he never even responded. <laughs> oh, shit. Speaking of, are we going to get stone he- silence from Joe Brown? <laughs> Oh, God. Are we going to get him in to do an episode with us? Yeah, I'll talk to him about that. Okay, yeah, because that'd be cool. I'd like to do that. Um, All right, fair enough. So, The Clash, cut the crap. Well, it's not the the, um, Lonely Hearts Club Band, the movie album, so that's good. That's good. (laughs) I'm guessing that's on the list, though. No, that's not on the list. That's going to be a regular pick for me at some point. <laughs> this, al- this list is solely for the fucking worst of the worst, Paul. All right. Fair enough. All right, Joe. Well, with that being said, do you want to take us out? <laughs> no. No.